The title of my message is Doing What Counts, <clears throat> a census. Doing what counts. We can get busy doing a lot of things, right? If you would take a, a, a census of your life, would you say that you, were, are, a, that you are a busy person? <laughs> we, a lot of times, get really busy, don't we? And if we're not careful, we'll get busy being busy. And when we are so busy being busy, we take the busyness and we prioritize being busy over being about the Father's business. Somebody said one time, said, oh, you run that church like a business. I said, you're right, I do. It's the Father's business. And we better take good care of it. That's what Jesus said. He said, I must be about my Father's business. So we as a church are called to be about God's business. And the most important, the most valuable business and the greatest investment that we could ever make is into the business of God. Understanding that the most valuable gift that we have is a relationship with God. That we get to talk to God and we get to stand in faith and say, God, I trust you to touch me and to heal me. I trust you to touch so-and-so and heal them. We have a great, great gift from God, and that's the gift of his presence. Next week, I want to remind everybody, uh, we are going to do a, a, a remembrance service for 9-11. It's a 20-year, if you could call it an anniversary. It's a 20 years from when the Twin Towers were, were bombed. And what we've done, we've invited uh, first responders from, from uh, the Montgomery County area. We've invited them to come, and we want to honor them here. We've got a great service uh, for you here, and uh, it's going to be like, so I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. But if you tell somebody, tell them, don't tell nobody. We got, we, I've got a, a opera singer that's going to come and he's going to sing God Bless America. Like, I'm, I can't wait for that, but. God bless. It's going to be really good. It's going to be really good. I can't wait. But then we're going to, we're going to give all of the first responders gift cards to buy, help them buy, to buy lunch or whatever. We want to just give them a gift and the, the, the policemen, the firemen, the ambulance drivers, and, and just, just let them know we, we're grateful for all of those, everybody that helps. Uh, <clears throat> the, run, the ones that run two things when everybody else is running away from them. That's the ones we want to bless. Doing what counts. A census. Last March is, uh, in March of 2020, we remember that it, it was a little bit chaotic. I mean, that was when they, they were shutting everything around, shutting everything down around here. Couldn't, they asked us not to come together, not to join, not to have church, not to, not to do anything. And, and it was just like, it was pretty chaotic. 
And everybody remembers that because of the COVID and, and everything that was going on with that. But one of the things that I dare say most people probably don't remember what happened in March is that the United States came out with a census for America. And you're like, oh, yeah, did that happen in March? Yeah, I kind of remember that. How many remember filling out the census, right? Yeah. 20 of y'all. <laughs> I didn't know this. But every decade, census comes to us as mandated by the Constitution. In Article 1, Section 2, it states the actual enumeration shall be made within three years after the first meeting of the Congress of the United States and within every subsequent term of 10 years in such manner as they shall by law direct. I didn't know that was in the Constitution. So as the census, <clears throat> as the census is used by the government to determine population changes, demographic, congressional districts, federal mandating, etc., it is a powerful tool in their hands. What happens if you don't participate in the census? You 80%. <laughs> by census law, refusal to answer all or part of the census carries a $100 fine. The penalty goes up to $500 for giving false answers, like you're not Yogi Bear or something like that. The Sentencing Reform Act of 1984 effectively raised the penalty to as much as $5,000 for refusing to answer census questions. I'm not going to comment. The U.S. Census, though, reminds us of those censuses done in the Bible. You remember, Jesus was born in Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus' reg registration or census caused Joseph and Mary, while Mary was pregnant, to ride the donkey and travel there in order to be counted to Bethlehem. Numbers seems to be important to God, to have different numbers. In fact, there, was a, there is a book in the Bible called Numbers has, has, has a title due to the listing of the results of a census that God mandated. But perhaps the most intriguing census is the one that David took, and it's recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 24, if you have your Bibles. First of all, I want to ask you a question. How many remember reading in the Bible about this census that David took, and it didn't go over with God at all? How many remember reading that? Now, the question is, is, is how many of you that raised your hands when you read that, you thought that God was acting very harshly and you just, it just didn't seem right to you? Nobody's going to read Never mind. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a trick question. Let me read to it. Read you. 2 Samuel chapter 24, New International Version, tells us that David did a census of the fighting men. Verse 1. Again, everybody say again. This is an important word here. Say again. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. 
What that word again means is that it happened before two. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he incited David against them, saying, this is what David said, go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab and the army commanders with him, go throughout the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and enroll the fighting men so that they may know how many there are. But Joab replied to the king, may the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times over and may the eyes of the Lord, the king, see it. But why does the Lord, the king, what does my Lord, the king, want to do such a thing? In other words, Joab's talking to the king and he's like, oh, king, live forever. What do you think you're doing? Here's what we know. We know at the time that David took the census that, verse 1, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. In other words, how many knows that God's anger doesn't come unless there's a problem? There's anger. Why did, but why did the anger of the Lord burn against Israel? Why did the Lord incite David? Oh, this is so good. To take the senses and then express anger at him afterwards for doing so. In other words, he incited, ang- he incited David to do the senses, but then he got angry at David. Now, it, it, when I read this, and I've read this a lot of times, and I've never really understood it, and I always thought, you know how you kind of skip over things you, that you, you're like, I don't get it, but that's Okay. We got to get this. And that's why we're preaching about it. It's important. Because there was something in David that needed to come out. So what we always say, God wants to always bring out the good in you. That's not always true. God also wants to get the bad out of you. And we don't always agree. But in case you didn't know it. (laughs) You're not God. (laughs) FYI. So it said the Lord incited. What does the word incite mean? It means to encourage or stir up violent or unlawful behavior. To stir up. He wanted to stir up something that was already in David. It was going to come out one way or the other because it was in there. Has anybody ever, don't raise your hand, has anybody ever done something really dumb and really stupid and then you're like, I can't believe I did that. (laughs) Never mind, don't raise your hand, it's okay. (laughs) So here is a commentary by by Matthew Henry, a a noted commentary guy that writes commentaries. (laughs) He cites five possible reasons that David's census was wrong. And though they are all possible, Henry believed this one to be the true reason. That David was exhibiting the pride of his heart in putting confidence in the number and the power of his army rather than in God. Here's what we do know. We do know what is very clear in the text is that the census was wrong. Because even Joab, even the 
army commander, he knew it was wrong. Why are you going to do such a thing? And all the other characters knew it. Joab knew it was wrong, tried to prevent the king from, from doing it. In the corresponding account in Chronicles where it talks about the same event, we're told that Satan moved David to number Israel. First Chronicles 21.1. Did you catch that? Satan moved David. Y'all staying with me. I know, I can see you. You're looking, you're like, hmm, I'm interested now. So we go back to 2 Samuel 24, verse 10. It says, David was conscious stricken after he had counted the fighting men conscious stricken. Something, something, a light began to come on in his conscious, and his conscious was stricken. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done very, a very foolish thing. Something happened that was in David that he had to move and move away from God in order for him to recognize how far away he really was before he ever moved away from God. So afterwards, David confessed that it was wrong, verse 10, saying, I've sinned greatly or I have committed iniquity and I acted very foolishly. You know what always happens whenever you or me, whenever we sin, right? The first thing that sets in is what? Guilt. It's like, did you know that God is not into guilt? He didn't come to make you guilty. In fact, Jesus made this statement. He said, I came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. His whole purpose is not for us to feel guilty. I dare say in a congregation this size, everybody watching online today, that there is some guilt-ridden individuals here today. And I want to tell you that that's not God. God didn't come to condemn you and to bring guilt into your life. The only reason guilt is in our lives is because we have unconfessed sins. And if we've confessed our sins, it says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's either a lack of confession to God of our sins or it's a lack of faith in God that he really did do what he said he would do. Somebody needs to listen to me right now. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not up there going, oh, I know you feel a lot of guilt back there. So you just, you just take some of that. No, he wants you to be rid of your guilt. He wanted David to get rid of his guilt. But the only way that that was going to happen is, is if something that was bad got out of David's heart. So let's pause right here and ask the obvious question. How did all the characters in the story so clearly know that it was wrong, but David didn't get the picture? The leader of the nation, the king, didn't see it, but everybody else saw it. 
Did you know the more blessing that God gives you and the more influence that God gives you, the more power that God gives you, the closer you're going to have to get to God because you're going to have way more distractions when you have way more success. The bigger you get in your business, the more distractions you're going to have from the word of God. The more success you have financially, the more success you have with friends, your influence, when your influence grows. <laughs> have to go back to the little things and be faithful in the little things. Perhaps, why did he leave us reading this that and God acted so harshly. I haven't told you what all happened. It, got, it gets worse, I'm telling you. It gets worse. I got 15 minutes to tell you how worse it got. <laughs> but perhaps a, 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 an earlier account of David's life holds the key to this. You all remember uh, Uzzah. I, can't, I don't know if it's Uzzah, Uzzah. But he was struck dead. Remember whenever he touched the ark of the Lord? being transported back to Israel from Philistia. It toppled off the ark and, uh, and, and off an ox cart. And he reached out with his hand to balance it. And David became angry because the Lord's outburst on Uzzah because Uzzah got struck dead because he touched the ark. I'm talking to you about some things that you're just like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that one either. <clears throat> And, then, and so David named the place accordingly that day called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid that the Lord of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And it stayed there three months until someone did, some, did a Bible study. Someone was in the digging deep class, or somebody showed up at the Bible, and they, they read in there that in Exodus chapter 25, 14, it says, you shall put the poles into the rings on the side of the ark and carry the ark with them. Oh, the poles. We forgot about that. <laughs> and you, it's like, everybody say respect. Everybody say honor. Everybody say reverence. These are things that if we're not careful in America today, we will lose respect for the holiness of God. We will lose respect for the anointing that comes with the presence of God. And if we're not careful, we will take those things for granted so much that we just say, oh, yeah, yeah. Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. Man upstairs, we're good. We're, me and him are like this. And then mm, me and him just got us. I had a guy tell me this past week. Um, I got a special deal with God. It's the way of the world. It's the way of the world. And that's how we justify our actions is by saying that we have a special deal with God. The truth is we all have a special deal with God. It's called his word and we need to live by his word and respect it and honor it. So when they realized that they'd broken God's law and corrected themselves, the ark was moved without incident, and we must honor the presence of God. 
So returning to David's senses, perhaps this same book holds the key, the same book that they were reading in Exodus. If you'll look in Exodus chapter 30, 11 and verse 11 and 12, the Lord also spoke to Moses saying, listen to this. When you take a census of the sons of Israel to number them, then each one of them shall give a ransom. That each one of them that you take the census from, each one of them shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. Oh, the ransom. Oh, I knew I was forgetting something. And then it says, when you number them so that there will be no plague among them when you number them. So here's what happened when David took the senses, the prophet of God came to rebuke him and David was given three options as a punishment. Seven years of famine. This is what, this was the punishment. Seven years of famine, three months of the enemies attacking him or three days of a plague. David chose the last option saying that he would rather fall into the hands of the Lord than the hands of men. Here's what happened. 70,000 people died in Israel from the plague before David sees the angel with his sword drawn over Jerusalem and he confesses his sin. David confesses his sin and God stayed the hand of the, the angel just before he got to Jerusalem. So it seems evident that God's anger and plague came because the ransom money that was to be taken at the time of a census was not collected. Yet, why did it anger God so? The ransom money was to support the tabernacle and the temple, service as a memory of the Lord's atonement. It says, you shall make the atonement money for the sons of Israel and shall give it for the service of the tent of meeting that it may be a memorial for the sons of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. To make <clears throat> atonement, it was a ransom. You all know what a ransom is, right? I mean, that's whenever <clears throat> somebody kidnaps your kid and then you pay a ransom and then they give you your kid back. It's a ransom. So what it was doing, it was saying, it's a ransom for yourself. You give a gift to the tabernacle or a gift to God as a ransom for yourself. You're like, so God's all about the money. That's what you're saying. He need a ransom for yourself. The point is, is that if you are going to be in the presence of God, there must be a sacrifice for your sin. Because we have all sinned. And when Adam and Eve came into the garden and, 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 they, and the, the, the devil tells them, as soon as you eat of this fruit, that you will become as God and you're going to be, your eyes will be open and, and God's a, you, you know God's a taken God, right? And so, and, and Adam and Eve, they're like, oh, okay. And then they go looking at themselves, like, oh, I'm naked. And then they put the leaves on their head. They didn't even know they were naked because there wasn't no sin. There wasn't any lust. There wasn't any sinful problem in the world at that point. There wasn't no problems. 
until sin came in the world. And then there had to be a sacrifice for the sin. For every action, there has to be another action. And so, in the Old Testament, you remember Jesus hadn't showed up yet to make that supreme sacrifice. So, this was a big deal. And part of David's problem was, was that he had forgotten what needed to happen in order for him to have access to the presence of God. I could preach right here about paying your tithe. I mean, I just set the table for it. Because it's not about your tithe. And for David, it wasn't about, and for the people, it wasn't really about giving the ransom money. It was a heart problem. And a lot of people give tips to Jesus instead of their tithe, thinking that that's okay because we, we so desire to make up our own Bible. So we just kind of tip God. He's a good job, God. But the truth is, is that what is in your heart is what will always come out of your pocketbook. Well, I don't think the church can handle 10%. I make a lot of money. Hey, just try it. Try it. It'll be all right. We'll be good. We'll be okay, really honest. Because God's more interested in your heart every day of your life than he is your money. And I guarantee you, you can do so much more with 90% than you could do with 100%. If you'll give God 90, if you'll give God 10% and you keep 90%, that 90% will go much further than that 100%. You all know that. Most of y'all do. But if you have never tried God, and what it says in Malachi, it says, test me. Double dog dare. Yeah. Test me and see if I won't pour out a blessing on you wherein you won't be able to contain it. Yeah, the preacher's talking about money. I'm, I, I hate it when preachers talk. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your heart. And when your heart gets right, you, 10% might not be enough. Amen. So in all of Israel... It was a memorial for the sons of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for themselves. Now, we know that ransom money can't actually pay the price for our soul. We know that. In the Old Testament, Psalm 49, 7, it says, No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of his soul is costly, and he should cease trying forever. Right? Cease trying to do good works. Cease trying to give money for the redemption of your soul. Because it, we should just cease trying that. Because we don't have enough money and we can't ever get good enough. But Jesus, Jesus is good enough. So, David sinned, listen to this, by omission by not acting on God's word 
so many times we think that by sinning, we're, we sin by doing something that is wrong. But many times we sin by omitting what is right. <laughs> I'm not here to put you on a guilt trip, but I do very much want you to think about this. Our heart is what God's interested in. And the only thing that really works is when we understand that God is a loving God and his word will always supersede any word that we have. Here's what happened. For what turned the plague away also testifies to the truth. So 70,000 people died in this plague. When it reached Jerusalem, God said, that's enough. And he stopped the plague at a guy named Arenua House. If you don't know how to say a Bible word, just say it fast. Arenua. It was at his house. Verse 18, it says, and Gad, Gad, that's a prophet, came that day to David and said to him, go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arania and the Jebusite. So David, according to the word of, of Gad, did you catch that? David, something happened in David's heart. <clears throat> he repented. He was starting to pay attention. God has a t had his attention. And he, according to the word, he went up as the, as the Lord commanded. Now, Arania took looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Arania went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Arania said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. So Arania said to David, let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are the oxen, the burnt sacrifice, the threshing implements, the yokes, the oxen the, for wood. All these and the king, O king and Urania said, has given to the king. He said, I'm just going to give you all this stuff. And Arania said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Arania, David said, no but I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt sacrifices to the Lord my God, that which costs me nothing. I will not offer burnt sacrifices to the Lord my God, that which costs me. If it doesn't cost me anything, it's not really a sacrifice. And I've been living my life. I've had everything I've wanted. I've been, I've been, I, I have had literally everything I've wanted. Food, money, everything. But I can't offer anything to God if it doesn't cost me something. So David brought the threshing floor and the oxen with 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. The site became the place. Listen to this. That very site became the place where the temple was built and sacrifices were offered at that place for a long time. 
because David got the picture that honor, respect, reverence, anointing is something that needs to be recognized and practiced within his own heart and within his own life. <clears throat> Revelation 21. Revelation 21, verse 5, says, He who is seated at the throne, he who is seated, at, it's not talking about David here, it's talking about the king that was over the king. The king of all kings. The king of all nations. The king of all presidents. The king of everything. The king, the great creator. The entrepreneurial creator, the one who created so many beautiful oak trees in Texas. The one who makes the sun stay on its axis so it's not any hotter than it is in August. That's the God, that's the king that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the king who is over everything. The one who calls all the shots, whether we agree with him or not. His ways are not our ways, neither are our ways his ways. But his ways are always higher than our ways. What that means is we don't always understand his ways. But because he is God, he is always right. Whether we agree with him or not, God's not up there going, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't think about that. Maybe I should change my mind. No. He is the king of kings he who was seated, seated on the throne he says I make everything new we talked about this when we took communion today then he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true and he said to me it is done I am the alpha the omega the beginning and the end to those who are thirsty I will give water without cost from the springs of the water of life those who are victorious those who are victorious will inherit all of this and I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the, the idolaters and all liars will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. David had to have discipline in his life. He had to have the discipline from God in his life in order for him to be reconciled back to God. Have you ever reconciled your checkbook? 
Well, if not, you probably got problems. Reconciling is bringing your checkbook into balance. Sometimes your checkbook gets overdrawn. Hopefully, there is always a balance in there so that you don't get overdrawn. David, from a point of finances, got overdrawn. But he got overdrawn in his heart because he became haughty in his spirit. And he began to say, look at all that I've done. Look at who I am. And instead of exalting God, he began to read his own press. He began to believe that he was always right, that everything that he did, why? He was the king, and he could do anything that he wanted to do. Today in this group of people, people watching online, we have leaders. We have leaders of ourselves. We are all leaders of ourselves. Amen? You lead yourself. You can't blame your mess up on anybody but yourself because it's choices that you make. Amen, everybody? I mean, we all still, y'all still with me? Have you ever made the statement, you made me mad? (laughs) Nobody has the power to make you mad. You have to make yourself mad. (laughs) You made me mad. No, no, they didn't make you mad. You let yourself get mad. Stop blaming your stuff on somebody else. The place where the temple of God was built was almost a stone's throw away from the place where Jesus was sacrificed for all of our sins. Did you know that? You can see the Temple Mount from Golgotha's Hill. And whenever they put that cross in the ground and the king of all kings not just talked about how much he loved us, he showed us how much he loved us. And the Bible says that he hung upon that cross And the sacrifice once and for all. A ransom for many. That his work that he did on the cross. Right there. A stone's throw away from the temple mound. Is changing lives today. Do you know why the Bible is the greatest selling book of all time? Anywhere of all time? It's true. It's just true. (laughs) And you look at it and it's living and it's powerful. And whenever we buy in to the word of God, we say, you know what? 
I thank God. And we don't pay our tithe as a ransom for our own soul. We pay our tithe because we have fallen in love with Jesus. And we want God's work to go forward because the church is the only hope for this world. If we don't stand up, nobody's going to stand up for God. But it's got to be the church. David got realigned. Anybody ever have your truck get out of alignment? And you're going 60 miles an hour down the road, and it's going like this. You go, boy, isn't that fun? Anybody need to get realigned this morning? Raise your hand if you need a little bit of realignment, and you're kind of tired of not being lined up. Oh, that's all I got to say. We got to pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. I thank you, Lord, that you, you always start with our heart. I thank you, Lord, for discipline. I really do. I thank you, Lord, God, for disciplining me, oh God. I thank you, Lord, for disciplining this, this church and for dis bringing discipline to each and every one of us because even though it's not pleasant, it wasn't pleasant for David, it wasn't pleasant for, for, for the nation of Israel because they had followed David's path of not being faithful. I thank you, Lord. You're helping us to see you. And Lord Jesus, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for paying the ransom so we can have uh, the fulfillment of what everything that happened in the Old Testament that you fulfilled so that we don't have to offer sacrifices. But what we do in our sacrifice, we do it because we love you, not so we can build a ransom for ourselves because that price has already been paid and we thank you for it in Jesus name I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second this evening if you've, or this morning if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal savior the greatest gift to mankind is access to God and you have that but you have to exercise it and what Jesus said he said I stand at the door and knock if you open I'll come in and I'll be with him God's not going to make you serve him he's not going to make you make the right choices it's a choice of following him and saying God whenever we do mess up that we run back to God and we say God please cleanse me thank you Jesus for the ransom that you paid for me not that we're perfect but my goodness we've got to make that initial start of being born Again, that's what Jesus said. So this morning, if you've never accepted him, maybe if you haven't, you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. We want to put a Bible in it. Anybody, Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Anybody? <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? <laughs> aren't you thankful that God helps us I'm thankful God helped me this morning I was a little nervous about all this but thank God he helped what we got somebody Have them come on up if you raise your hand come on up let me pray with you I didn't see you back there can you come up please can you come up for just a second let me pray with you Can you come? Are we coming? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. 
That's perfect. Y'all sit down for a second. I'm proud of you. I didn't see you back there. Tell me your name. Uh, Michael. Michael, bless your heart. Here's your Bible. Oh, you got one. Man, I'm proud of you. Look here. It's the greatest day of your life. Because you're making peace with God. And we all sinned. Everybody here sinned. But, but inviting Jesus is the first step in getting it right. Can I pray with you? Yes, Y'all help us pray. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Dying on the cross. For my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <laughs> Welcome to the family. Listen, so when you walk out of here, you're still going to have a lot of the same problems you walked in with. But you got help now. And we want to help you. We got a good men's Bible study, men's program that help you out. You got to keep showing up. If you hang out with the wrong, in the wrong place, the wrong place will influence you. But if you hang out in the right place, the right place will influence you. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Okay. Go visit with that lady for just a second. Thank you, Michael. I love you, buddy. All right. This time for sure. I want to pray for you. Help us. I just want to pray that the Lord will help us not to be distracted from our success. How many feels like God's really, really blessed you a lot? Raise your hand. Yeah, I think so. Let's all raise both hands and surrender to God. Lord, we surrender our lives to you. We know that you've been so good to us. But Lord, may your goodness uh, not distract us from you, oh God. And we pray, oh God, that you'd help us to seek you first, your righteousness, and then let all these other things be added unto us. We're grateful for you. We pray for our nation, oh God. We pray for our president. We pray for our, all of our, our, our government officials. We pray that they would look to you and seek after you. And uh, minister, oh Lord, to those who are sick, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I love you guys. Listen, we got a prayer team. If you need special prayer, God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here.